2: protected you. What is his name? I don't know. I
1: name him, I keep him. Killer.
0: Uh, stinky! Violet. Spike!
1: Lunatic!
2: Spot! Spot! Come here, Spot, come here! Well, ain't like you just the cutest thing.
0: <laughs>
1: I'm done being scared.
0: If you ain't scared, you ain't alive.
2: Hello and welcome to the This Had Oscar Buzz podcast, the only podcast flirting with all the ladies at the Daylily Convention. Every (laughs) week on This Had Oscar Buzz, we'll be talking about a different movie that once upon a time had lofty Academy Award aspirations, but for some reason or another, it all went wrong. The Oscar hopes died, and we are here to perform the autopsy. I am your host, Chris File, and I'm here as always with my favorite forest critter, Joe Reed. Hello. Joe. You, you are my good friend before we bring in <laughs> my other good friend who uh, is guesting with us today. I just want to say I want a dinosaur friend to drop LSD with.
3: <laughs> I mean, this movie really approximates that experience quite well. This is a children's
2: movie where they drop hallucinogenics for a scene and, like, no one... I've never heard anybody talk about that scene.
3: Literally just before that scene happened, I had the active thought of just, like, this is the rare Pixar movie that, like, is more fun for kids than it is for adults. Do you know what I mean? Where, like, so many Pixar movies are about, like and I love them for that are about like these like sort of like thinky concepts and you watch and you just sort of like half the Pixar movies make me cry because I'm an adult who doesn't know what he's doing with his life. And then like this movie, it's just like, no, it's just like fun dinosaurs running around and then they absolutely get high on magic berries and (laughs) it's very fun. I still want, like, I will show this to my nephew. Like this is probably (laughs) one of the first Pixar's that I will show to my nephew. He won't know what's going on. He'll just think it's fun colors. Maybe you can be the
2: dinosaur. He can be the baby critter, and you guys can uh, not do LSD because in real life, that's would make you a really bad influence.
3: Yeah, that would make me probably criminally negligent or something. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. That would be a different movie. Bad um, idea. The bad. Uh, the bad. You dinosaur. are the bad dinosaur. Yeah, that would be bad. I kept trying to figure out how the good dinosaur fits into the Good Wife Good Fight universe, and I couldn't quite do it, which is my major criticism of this movie. <laughs> the Good
2: Fight universe also exists in a land where 65 million years ago, or billion, whichever, <laughs> uh, an asteroid did not hit the planet and kill an entire species.
3: Right. All years. I'm asking, though, just like just let Christine Baranski voice one of these dinosaurs. It's not that hard. That's just, like, that's all we need
2: not that hard not that hard um however like i mentioned we do have a guest with us today uh very excited to get into the history of pixar with him uh it's my friend writer and podcaster kyle amato hi kyle Yay, hey guys kyle. how's it going uh, uh yeah
1: thank you so much for having me thank you so much excited. for joining us i'm really excited that you picked this episode Mm-hmm. Um, is this the first animated movie you guys have done? I was—I feel like I was skimming the list and I wasn't sure. It's it absolutely
2: is. the first animated movie we've done, which feels okay, like we're cool. getting into like a niche of just one category with like best animated feature however
3: (laughs) it's tough to make animated movies fit into our particular rubric right oh absolutely like it's it's so this one we've had sort of on our long list of like if we were ever going to do an animated movie this was the one that makes the most sense because it's the one that really did have that like gulf between expectation and reality and then doesn't get anything and yeah so i'm very 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 excited that you picked this one the whole like, yeah. history of
2: Pixar and Oscar together is, like, I think makes this seem like an even bigger failure in a way.
1: Uh, yeah, hold on. I'm pulling up the Best Animated Feature Wikipedia page, um, which I should know off the top of my head because of who <laughs> I am as a person. But uh, I distinctly remember when this wasn't nominated, and I was just like, huh they're not supposed to do that. (laughs) And uh, even though the movie was just like, no one like fucking saw this movie. So that was definitely part of it. But I was like, that doesn't usually matter. Basically the, you know, the Oscars are always just like, Oh, what's the Pixar movie this year?
3: Yeah, that wins. Like they don't think about it too hard. Well, and they were able to do that this year because this was the same calendar year as inside out. So like Mm -hmm. the Oscars had kind of like had their bases covered with this. But I think the fact that the good dinosaur was, a second movie. Like this was the first time that Pixar had released a second movie in a calendar year with something else. And I feel like Mm -hmm. a lot of that has to do obviously with production delays and the fact that this movie, I feel like by the time it had made it into theaters, I think they knew that like we, we fucked this one up and, and it's not like this like major disaster, but like because Pixar's baseline level was so high that it just, it really sticks out for being as kind of shambly and shaggy as it is. And I think the other thing that's probably worth keeping in mind is, like, animated movies are the rare case at the Oscars where, like, doing well at the Oscars, unless you are a, like, Studio Ghibli movie or a G-Kids or a Cartoon Saloon or something like that, for the big animated features, Oscar success doesn't really enhance... The box office like it does with other movies right you've made your money by that point like you're gonna make your money on these animated movies the oscars doesn't don't really boost an inside out or a uh even like a like a brave or a toy story movie or anything like that like that Mm -hmm. doesn't work that way where it does with like a best picture nominee or even like nominees in other categories and i think because of that disney and pixar Really, really, really do not operate their calendar along, along the lines of how are we going to pick, like promote these things for Oscar? Like they, <laughs> like that is not a concern for them. And so you can throw in the good dinosaur at the end of the year, even though you know that all of your, you know, promotion is going to go to inside out. And like, that's not a concern for theirs. So like, mm-hmm. it's interesting to talk about. Disney and Pixar with regards to the Oscars because
2: Pixar is also like as far as animation goes like the like for lack of a better word the big Kahuna. because like they are the ones who largely have had the success of translating to best picture nominations and like not just best picture nominations like I'm sure there's you know 30 years ago Beauty and the Beast might have been something of a surprise because it was the first one but like people expect toy story 3 to get a best picture nomination months in advance you know people thought that about like something like up right right
3: mm-hmm.
1: yeah i distinctly remember that happening
3: <laughs> yeah but that was also a kind of distinct era too right where like cuz ultimately it's only up and toy story 3 that were that have been animated best picture nominees in the in this era right mm-hmm. and it comes on the heels of Wally gets really 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 buzzed for Best Picture nomination in 2008. Like people really really thought it was going to happen. People thought that and The Dark Knight were both going to get Best Picture nominees. And yeah, those are the big ones, right? It's funnier that to think of with the, with The Dark Knight. It's funnier mm-hmm. to it's like it was never you look at it now and it's like there's just no precedent even in the post sort of like Black Panther world. There is really no precedent there's no real good reason to think that The Dark Knight would have been a Best Picture nominee. But like you look at now afterwards and you're just like, oh, Wally could have done it. And the, the uproar about those two things were, was so loud and the Academy got so worried about being out of touch with like, you know, the common moviegoer or whatever that they expanded the category to 10 the very next year. And the next two years, Up and Toy Story 3 both get the sort of like Pixar slot. In the best picture lineup. And it did seem like that would sort of go on and on and on. And it hasn't happened since then. Well, Cars
1: 2 happened, so.
3: (laughs) Cars 2, I believe the first time
2: that an eligible Pixar movie wasn't nominated in the category.
1: That's correct. Yeah.
2: And then, like, Monsters University wasn't. And then this wasn't. Which is the first original. And
1: Cars 3. Yes, and of
2: course, three. <laughs> mm-hmm. But Onward and Soul were nominated this year, so, you know. That's true. I kind of want to get into, maybe a little bit later, where it's like, it feels like the diminishing returns of pixar of late has become has provided more of a window for like something else to sneak in like specifically (laughs) last year you know i think there was enough soul dissenters and people like real who didn't really care for it and then there was a lot of really smart uh Writing out there for Wolf Walkers. Um, mm-hmm. And it felt like, especially because it was a weird year, the first time where maybe something could have had a shot, and then
1: it proved to, you know, really not be the case. Yeah. Wolf Walkers is perfect, and it just should have won. So, you yeah. Know. <laughs> just what's going to happen. Soul I'm came the... in so late in the year, you knew it was going to happen.
3: I'm the sad dummy out here who's whatever, campaigning for Soul, but. <laughs> I, oh, yeah, I, I, I just felt bad that I'm that was the monster. movie that, de- that, they, that this sort of narrative kind of descended on. Because I thought Soul was <laughs> actually like one of the best movies of the year. And <laughs> I see that argument with other things. Like I liked Toy Story 4, but there's no real reason that that needs to win the Oscar. I yeah. liked um, I'm trying to think of like other like I liked I actually did like Brave a lot more than like other people did. I like did, Brave but, like,
2: more than most people.
3: <laughs> but like Brave's that didn't okay. need to win I don't the know. Oscar Brave's either. okay. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't know. My so, thing like, about I get Soul the
2: was, it. like, it had a lot of problems for me that I also have with Pete Doctor's other uh, Pixar movies that, like, I always feel like I'm kind of on an island and it felt like Soul was the first time I wasn't on an island. Like, I I have issues, some issues with Inside Out that, like, it seems like nobody else seems to really have um, in terms of, like, the emotional uh, beats of that movie that don't feel organic to me um, and I find that a lot in Pete Doctor's work or it's just like here's a few sequences that really make the whole movie and the rest of the movie isn't that great to me
3: um, I feel like I saw those complaints about both Inside Out and even um, uh, even Up because there, there was a lot of the stuff about Up was like great a sequence and then it falls apart after that like I definitely feel mm-hmm. like that was a thing
1: yeah, I think Pete Doctor and I just see the world very differently. So <laughs> the way that he approaches these things, I'm always just like, "All right, that's that's your move." Um, I don't know. I I don't know how much of how much of Pixar should we be getting into right now? Like, where where are we going? Let's
2: uh, let's reel back because we can save <laughs> yeah, it for yeah, yeah, after course, the plot description. But first, obviously, mm-hmm. we have you as a guest, and we're so excited to um, have you on and. We always talk about our guests like Oscar origins, which honestly, I Mm -hmm. don't feel like in any time that we've had like Oscar conversations, we've never really had this conversation. So I'm excited to hear what your like first Oscar obsession was or like the first time you noticed the Oscars. Mm -hmm. What is that origin Oscar for you? Is it a certain movie or a certain year? Uh
1: So it's a few different things. So I have watched the Oscars for as long as I've been alive, just because my parents always watched them. So they were always on. So even when I was very small, I remember distinctly being like, I didn't know it was Jodie Foster, but I know Jodie Foster was there. I mean, I wasn't alive for Sons of the Lambs, but, you know, she's always she's always there. Uh, I I remember Titanic winning. um, I think it was around like Gladiator, where I understood like what best picture like could could mean i guess uh but i didn't really start doing like completionist stuff until like 2009 which that was the first year i watched all of the best picture nominees which is what i try to do now um so that was early high school for me but i remember just like finding a a cam rip of up in the air to watch stuff like that um (laughs) and then also ties into my pixar thing because that was the year that up was nominated and i was like oh okay we can that I guess that can happen again after you know Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've always just been a huge Oscars person. I like it as sort of a uh, a guidepost of interesting movies, and I can learn about different actors or directors. Like, I mean, just for Sansa Lambs Alone, you watch that, you find out who Jonathan Deming is, and then you get to watch Married to the Mob, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I've always liked it for that. Um, I've always been a big animated movie person. And I remember the first year for the animated feature was um, Shrek, Jimmy Neutron, and Monsters, Inc. And they did that thing where you can see the animated characters in the audience where they pretend that they're there. And like Jimmy Neutron was at the Oscars, and I was like, this is awesome. Which
2: is a million times better than an animated character presenting the Oscars, which Mm -hmm. is an abomination from the third layer of hell that we should make fully illegal.
1: They shouldn't do that, but um, I also, one of my most distinct childhood memories is when Angelica Pickles went on the Rosie O'Donnell show. And I was just like, oh, my God, Rosie's talking to Angelica. Uh, I have never been able to find that clip online. So if anyone is listening and has that episode, like, recorded anywhere, I need it. There is a still image of it on the uh, Internet archive from Rosie's website in, like, 1999. And that is the only evidence I have of it happening. I need that. Video. Our listeners are an enterprising bunch. They will find it. Thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah, no, so I've just, I've always been keyed into the Oscars, and apparently, ever since, like, high school, where I'm just like, okay, so they're talking about this one, uh, and then I can just... Like, I'll see that, and maybe it'll get nominated, maybe it won't. Um, I think An Education was, like, really one of the first times where I was like, I need this movie to happen, and then it got all the nominations and stuff. And I was like, okay, great, I'm good at this.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so were you an Avatar, or were you a, a Hurt Locker person that year? That was So
1: day. when I was in high school, I think I was much more of a Hurt Locker person, because I think... Um, It was just one of, like, the bigger... I mean, it's rated R, right? It definitely is. Oh, yes. I mean, there's, like, heads exploding in that movie. Exactly. And that was... I I didn't see a ton of R-rated movies when I was a teenager because I was nervous. I, like, snuck into the happening, and that was about it. Oh, Um, no. (laughs) Yeah, no. No. it was funny. We had a good time. We bought tickets for Kung Fu Panda and went in for that. Nice. Um, Speaking of yeah. the happening, I saw, mm-hmm.
2: like, uh, the, imi- the image from the happening is all the people just, like, launching themselves off the building, right? Mm-hmm. Looping it's... it back to the episode we're talking about. It was, like, I saw an image that was like that, but it was cars falling off of a building From somehow. Fate of the Furious, yeah. I think I sent this to you, Kyle, but it was, Mm. like, all of the stars of Cars, or maybe you sent it to me, all of the stars of Cars when they see the reviews for their movie, or it was, like, (laughs) all of the stars of Cars when they lost the animated feature (laughs) Oscar.
1: Yeah, so good. Man, Cars, Cars, it's just, like... I remember when it came out, I remember reading about it on IGN and being like, this is a movie about talking cars. This is some putt-putt nonsense. And so the only (laughs) Pixar movies I've not seen in theaters are Cars and Ratatouille. And I don't remember what I was doing. I don't know why I didn't go see Ratatouille. I I straight up, I I don't remember. I was, I should have just done that. I don't remember what I did. Um, But Cars specifically, I was like, that's not, I'm not doing this. And now I just, like, I don't hate Cars, I just don't like it at all, and it's two hours long. I think the only Pixar movie I haven't seen
2: is Cars 3, which, interesting, is, like, the best reviewed of all of the Cars movies, but I think at that point we were all just collectively, like, absolutely not, we will not be doing this.
1: So, what I'll say about Cars 3 is Mater is in three scenes. That is selling me so, highly on he, Cars 3. Okay, so here's the thing. Mater is not fucking in this movie. He's in the beginning where he's like giving Lightning McQueen a pep talk. He shows up on like a video call and then he's at the end. Mater is not a character in Cars 3.
3: I love that they do the video call as if like this is an actual like flesh and blood person who you need to like contractually mm-hmm. like it's like Suzanne Somers and Three's Company or something like that where we which Yeah, H- I, I am remember. not
2: hopping on a Zoom with Mater. I will not do it. <laughs>
1: no i mean what always bothered me about cars is i think that the the car world of putt-putt the humongous entertainment point and click game made a lot more sense (laughs) because um the cars and cars don't have hands which is actually something we can get into with the good dinosaur and part of some of my issues has a
2: uh, has a weird relationship with uh characters that don't have hands
1: exactly but um, how do we make this action happen (laughs) in putt-putt um they have like a little a wire that comes out of them, and they can like press buttons and stuff and when they don't do that in cars, I was like, well, they're not really going off of their predecessors here like I don't really know what the plan is, and <laughs> I don't know the world of cars doesn't make any sense. I could derail the whole thing if we get into cars, so we're not we can't do that
2: no we have uh we have a very good dinosaur to talk about an okay dinosaur
1: I mean he's not a bad
2: dinosaur, yeah, yeah, you know okay. he 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 learns his inner goodness it's a title that carried over from seemingly the only thing that carried over from the original iterations of what this movie was supposed Ooh, to boy. be which will This was going to be a
1: lot of things. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah. Um as was like Brave, we we will absolutely get into it, guys. This movie
3: probably should have been called Brave though, right? Oh, um, yeah. Like no, that's that the mo- that's the that's the emotional like through line of this movie. Like it's a dinosaur mm-hmm. learning to be brave. Well, and... yeah.
2: This movie is a western about a gay dinosaur <laughs> learning to be outdoorsy and making friends with a baby.
3: Yeah. Well. Yeah. And finding <laughs> that, that's his about inner
2: it. Like bravery. Mm-hmm. Wasn't brave supposed to be called something else?
3: Yeah. Um. Monsters University. Yeah.
1: No, sorry. <laughs> no it was going to be the bow and the bear, I believe, at one point. Right. right. Um, Pixar movies always start with like more descriptive titles, and then they always end yes. up with like one word, like Up, uh, Soul, Coco. I mean, Coco was right. always Coco, but stuff like that. Um, Luca was always Luca. Luca was always Luca, but um, in Japan, it's called like um, My Summer with Luca the Merboy, and I'm just like, that's a perfect title. That's the gayest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, it's called like that one summer with Luca. I'm not kidding. That's fabulous. One
3: weird summer yeah. with my non boyfriend Luca. Yeah. yeah exactly. exactly. Um but my, I mean, no, the good dinosaur... my no
2: homo summer with uh my Italian man on a Vespa uh right.
1: we eat pasta. Right. I don't think there was anything no homo about that movie. <laughs> um but yeah the the good dinosaur was originally announced as uh the untitled pixar movie about dinosaurs and the original image showed like a child riding a dinosaur like an older not like the little guy in this um and it was going to be more modern day with dinosaurs but Mm. a lot has a lot changed
2: but um guys the good dinosaur directed by peter sohn written by Meg LeFauve, who Also wrote uh, Inside Out with a story by Deep Breath, Peterson, Eric Benson, Meglophove, Kelsey Mann, and Bob Peterson, who was removed as one of the directors of the movie, Mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, something that happens with Pixar, with uh, no real people but the voice talents of Raymond Ochoa, Jack Bright... Sam Elliott, Anna Paquin, A.J. Buckley, Steve Zahn. I love Steve Zahn in this movie. Jeffrey Wright and Francis McDormand as the greatest uh, dinosaur parents you could ever wish for. Mm -hmm. Movie opened wide uh, the week of Thanksgiving in 2015. Kyle, do you think Mm -hmm. you could give us a 60 second plot description of The Good Dinosaur? I think I can. All righty, in that case, 60-second plot description of The Good Dinosaur
1: starts now. All right, so The Good Dinosaur opens in space, uh, and the meteor that killed all the dinosaurs misses, and so dinosaurs just go back to eating, and you see the more photorealistic dinosaurs in the past. 65 million years later, dinosaurs have small agrarian societies, and we meet an Apatosaurus family. Uh, The dad... Mom and dad are awaiting their uh, babies to be hatched. Uh, The babies come out. There's a boy and a girl, and they're both, like, very excited and fun. And there's a third one named Arlo, who's just a little guy. He's very scared. Uh, The dad ends up, like, trying to teach him to be brave. He ends up dying in the river. Uh, Arlo gets lost because he's chasing down what seems to be a human who's, like, a little caveman boy. They get lost uh, together. They have to team up. To survive the wilderness, Arlo has to learn how to fend for himself, uh, meet people who Ten aren't his seconds. family, uh, and there are some scary pterodactyls, and eventually he gives uh, the little human boy to another human family, goes home, and his mother is very happy to see him. And that's time! Yeah. That is pretty much it. I
2: mean, most of like what happens in this movie, you can see how they... Eventually, like finger quotes, saved it by Frankensteining in all of these other characters.
3: It really <laughs> feels very obviously Frankenstein, like is the thing.
2: I mean, that being said, I really
1: liked the movie. <laughs> it's nice. It's 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 nice. It's a nice movie. um I don't know. I think there's such an impulse because of what pixar is and what it has come to represent to just be like this needs to be the best thing you've ever seen and then right. with something like the good dinosaur you're just like oh no that was nice yeah, um
3: it's a good b minus of a movie it feels to me watching this movie like 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 i don't know maybe like arlo's journey needed to be more solitary like i get the idea that like you get cold feet you don't Mm -hmm. want to have this movie with like no other characters but like every time they introduced like another sort of trio of friends or foes for him Mm -hmm. to kind of interact with i'm like this is just distracting me from what the actual story here is like yeah and absolutely and it just felt like those things felt very patchworky to me. Like when the pterodactyls show up Mm -hmm. and then when the T-Rexes show up and Lord knows I like a Sam Elliott voice performance, but like, Mm -hmm. what is this doing for the, for the story of the movie? What is this doing for me? And
2: massive kudos to the animators for making a Tyrannosaurus Rex that facially looks like Sam Elliott. (laughs) They said it couldn't be done. (laughs) (laughs) And they did it. They did it. Um, Okay, but, like, the thing about the patchworkiness of the movie, like, you can tell, like, you know, reading reports of the production of this movie, they literally kind of farmed it out to other directors to make, like, chunks of the movie. And you can totally tell. And I feel like the Pixar movie that is, like, informative for the salvaging of this movie feels like Finding Nemo, right? Because there's a whole, like... 45 Mm -hmm. minute stretch of the movie that's just introducing new characters very late in the movie and then you don't see them again
3: it's the lion king that becomes finding nemo and then Uh um i'm trying to think of like what is even like the um the the predecessor for the I have my little buddy that I have to now, like, say goodbye to. Like, well, that's it's little... Ice Age. It's Ice Age.
2: Mm, okay. Oh, God. Go. I hate that's, Ice Age, that... too.
1: Ice Age is an ugly, ugly movie. Um, but it is about, you know, prehistoric animals taking care of a baby. So they're, yeah. I mean, Spot in this is a, a more active toddler, I would say, than, like, the baby in Ice Age. But the climax of Ice Age is exactly like this, except it was saber-toothed tigers instead of uh, cult pterodactyls.
2: Right. Yeah. I see. And like some of the stuff that I even liked with spot was like where it the best parts of the movie, I thought, were like spot being the active character and like Mm -hmm. the struggle to actually communicate between the two and the way that they mostly like relate to each other and connect is non-verbally. And yeah like, the two big things of Drawing the Circle, which, like, basically bookends their story. Yeah, Like, Mm -hmm. those actually made me emotional. Like, I was choked up when Spot got to go to the other family. So it's like, I think it's an effective movie. All the best
3: stuff about this movie is visual and nonverbal to me. Like, there are some really, really gorgeous shots and sort of uh, setups. There's the the part late, uh, both late in the movie, actually, the one part where Arlo and Spot, Arlo has finally, like... Gotten his confidence and has learned that he doesn't have to be afraid of nature. And they go running through this like field of birds that like scatter all about. And like it's a gorgeous, gorgeous looking scene. And then a little bit later, there's the scene where the pterodactyls come back and you first see them by the like bottom, uh, sort of, I guess, fin. It's, it's, it's stylized yeah, upside to down look like it's upside great. down shark fins coming through the clouds. And I'm like, that is really really innovative and like Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, elementally terrifying and i was just like that is so good i really wish this were in a more effective movie because like we'd be talking about that shot that sort of sequence so much today if it was in a movie that was better received than the good dinosaur Mm -hmm. was Mm
1: -hmm. yeah i mean i just want to say uh for animated dinosaur movies there's always a point in production where they're like, there's not actually gonna be any dialogue. Um I don't know exactly <laughs> if it happened for a good dinosaur or not, but I know it happened for Land Before Time, Dinosaur 2000, and another cheapo animated dinosaur movie called Walking with Dinosaurs, which was originally non-verbal and they added like John Leguizamo and stuff into it. So as you yeah, do. The, As
3: you have to yeah. do. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Like, do you, you guys remember the trailer for Dinosaur? Yeah, it was the, dialogue the three, going and it was exactly. just, it made it look like Wait, a Dinosaur two thousand.
3: Dinosaur 2000 mm-hmm. isn't dialogue free. No, there's monkeys and shit. It's terrible. Oh my God. I see. I've never <laughs> no, seen there's the movie, monkeys but, like, like doing bits. I would have never expected that from only watching exactly. the trailer. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Every studio, I mean, it's, it's Disney, and then um, I don't remember who did the Don Bluth movies. Whoever put those guys out. Amblin, maybe? Amblin, Universal, yes, yeah. I just no one
2: remember the Universal logo on my VHS mm-hmm. of that movie that I watched a million times as a kid and never liked.
3: The Land yeah, Before it, Time is... 67 minutes long? It's, yeah, it's 67 like minutes long. It's incredibly sad, but like I am glad they made them put Leg in that, because like Ducky is the cutest little character in a movie ever, and I loved it. Um,
1: Oh, but, yeah, it, it's not saying it doesn't work. It's just, like, every time they make a dinosaur movie, they chicken out on making it as yeah. nonverbal as possible. And that's yeah. all the best parts of Good Dinosaur, so... I mean, mm-hmm. besides Steve's on.
2: It's all truly, like, the middle 45 minutes, middle hour of this movie that you <laughs> can feel where, like they stitched together some movie by committee, which like I feel like is more of a problem with a lot of Pixar movies, a lot of the Pete Doctor movies like I mentioned but like they just get away with it. And what's interesting <laughs> about this one is they didn't get away with it. And it's like you ta- you you read some of these reports of their original ideas and it's like, well, you can imagine that this is the one that fell apart because conceptually it's kind of Like, what are they even talking about? Like, the idea behind this movie that they wanted to make is, what would it mean to be a dinosaur in the modern world? And it's like, I don't know, Darlene. uh, That is crazy to me. And it's also like, this is the year of Jurassic World, where, you know, uh, what I'm saying is our relationship to dinosaurs are way deeper than it needs to be. Like... Yeah, we love dinosaurs i I just don't under like it makes sense that this fell apart because as a core idea, like what does it mean to be a good dinosaur right I think makes this, no sense <laughs> I
1: mean, I guess just like make sure your friend doesn't get eaten, right, protect the baby
3: yeah the there the ideas of these are dinosaurs, like millions of years beyond the point where they actually went extinct, right ends up being. Like I almost appreciate the fact that this isn't like dinosaurs in suits and ties and high rises going to buildings sort of like the Zootopia version with dinosaurs or whatever like which right. is a way you could do that. This one seems a lot thinkier in that way of just like what if dinosaurs like shaped the world, shaped the modern It became world.
1: cartoons.
3: Right, what if and like and and their answers are like Well, we'd probably be an agrarian society that like takes a lot longer to get to, you know, where we're at. And it's just like, and a lot of this, I just kept sort of like stroking my chin and just like, yeah, it kind of would be like that. And the carnivores would kind of be ranchers and there would Mm. be buffalo, but not in the same way. And there would be humans, but not in the same way. And like evolution wouldn't have happened exactly the same way. And I'm just like, finally, I just sort of stopped. I'm like, but this is mostly a movie about, like, a cute little sad dinosaur. So, like, why am I thinking fully anthropomorphized. about all of this stuff? Right, well, right.
1: I mean, that's something that Pixar always does, is kind of make these worlds and then just not answer any of the questions about it. Like, the Cars world, that implies that there's, like, you know, right. car Christianity, car World War Two, blah, blah, blah. Like, that, that's been said a million times. But, like, even something with, like onward where the plot is there used to be magic but everyone got bored of it and i was like i'd like to know more about how this world works because it seems right. like it's mostly just like san francisco but um right i mean that's why i think toy story the lore lore there works the best because it's just like it's the real world toys are alive they don't want to talk to people they do right. their own thing right but they have a whole it it makes a lot more sense as as something you can accept happening uh, like literally and metaphorically then well something and like in toy ours.
3: story each toy mm-hmm. has its own kind of reality you know what i mean mm-hmm. each toy is real in its own kind of distinct way and where you know what i mean we're like the piggy bank is still a piggy bank but like it also like mm-hmm. the the potato heads sort of like operate on their own sort of you know rules and regulations and i think it makes that really easy for toy story to just be like yeah it's a toy it does the thing that you think this toy does and mm-hmm. and the next toy does the thing that you think that toy does and it's not really you don't really have to have any expectation of like a coherent toy like nothing governs the world of toys you know what i mean so it's like yeah they just
1: know that they shouldn't
3: talk to people that's the only thing toys really have in common they
1: have to
2: present the reality that they they cannot break andy's reality by saying that they are alive because then that suggests that they are their own person and they need Mm -hmm. to be for andy whatever andy wants them to be
1: I mean, the toys get a lot out of it, too, because from the implication of the opening of Toy Story 3 is that playtime feels like it is happening, like virtual reality is real for them. So they get a lot out of this, and if they started talking, this whole thing would be screwed, and they just, like, wouldn't get to enter the world yeah. of a child's imagination. They got and a pretty so like, sweet racket going on and they don't want to Exactly. <laughs> <them>. <laughs> mm-hmm. Back to the good dinosaur, the evolution it just made them cartoonier cuz as I said when it shows the um meteor going over them they look more like photorealistic dinosaurs and when we get to them yeah. they're like little ardman clay things yeah, in front of Arlo the most stunning looks backgrounds. Like yeah,
2: a, a generic toy.
1: Yeah. I, and it's just so crazy, the juxtaposition between these dinosaur characters and some of the most stunning landscapes that Pixar has ever made. And it like yeah. almost hurts your brain in a way. I feel kind of similarly about um, Coco, where I, I mean, I really like Coco. I think it's a great movie, but the humans almost move too real for how clay they look. And it just kind of like hits my brain a little bit. The skeletons look great. It's just I, I don't know. Sometimes their stylization can be very strange. Like, I think some of the humans in Toy Story 4 look terrible.
2: Oh, yeah, and these, know. like, uh, people who have larger eyes than
1: noses. Mm-hmm. And... It's it just, like, it has to... It, it's so easy for it to look wrong and I guess, an uncanny valley way. That feels like, I don't know, a cop-out to say, say it like that. But um, it's like when I've seen any clips of the new... Um, There's, like, a Monsters, Inc. TV show with, like, Ben Feldman in it, apparently. Oh, Um, right, right, right. No, I know. But the second I see the animation on it, I'm like, no, it's wrong. This is not main Pixar. (laughs) This is not – it is, like, Pixar Canada. There's something going on here. Like, uh, (laughs) I don't know. It's so hard to make these things look good at all. I think so many Pixar movies are good by accident in a lot of ways where they're Mm -hmm. just, like, they manage to choose the right story element. Like, um, every story about – Every Pixar movie is like, oh, yeah, well, this effective moment, it was almost this thing. That would have been really bad. But we decided yeah, to change like, it like, yeah, I'm so glad movie. that you did. It's
2: overhauled at some point yeah. where it's like you have certain degrees of things where it's like it feels like the good dinosaur. They just cut out a bunch of stuff and then filled <laughs> it with kooky characters. For like, yeah. uh and it's also like way shorter than a lot of Pixar movies. But then you hear about like Toy Story Four, which had Toy Story like, Four is like extremely six massive story overhaul, very late well, in the, the
1: game. The issue with Toy Story Four is it was, um I mean, Mr. Lassiter was the original director right. of that film. Yeah, right. which we don't yeah. have to get into him being awful, you know. Um, yeah. Um, A nasty man who was a little handsy with Tinkerbell whenever he got a chance. Um, But uh, yeah, I know. It's terrible. But his original idea for Toy Story 4 was literally just like, yeah, I want to make a movie about how I love my wife. So it'll be about uh, Woody and Bo Peep. But everyone's like, okay. So it's like a rom com. And he's like, yeah, definitely. And then he was removed from Pixar for being a bad person. Uh, And they're like, (laughs) okay, we can actually make this a a Toy Story movie and not uh, whatever
3: that was. I think Toy Story 4 turns out really well, though. I think Toy Story 4 is the best-case scenario for a fourth Toy Story Story Story
1: movie that I did not feel like I needed. I I fully agree. It's a great example of five scripts becoming one well, where The Good Dinosaur is five scripts that kind of come together.
2: Five scripts that they have already created. (laughs) One Um, of those scripts is The Lion
3: King, is the other thing, where they're just like, let's just do like... The first act of the Lion King.
2: (laughs) Let's have another horrible father death.
3: Mm. Mm -hmm. That
2: wave shot is oh, it's a nightmare,
3: terrifying.
2: I was not like part of the reason why. I mean, like this was my first time watching the movie, and I had the anticipation that I was like, okay, this is going to be boring throughout. Not much that's interesting, but like pleasant, right? Because like I don't Mm -hmm. think I've heard or like read or seen anyone discussing any individual scenes about this movie so like when you get to this horrific death for the father i was kind of blown sideways it's mm-hmm. like he's shoving arlo up onto a higher ledge of this cliff meanwhile a tidal you see a tidal wave crash into his body and it immediately cuts to black yeah. it is
3: And then cut to his grave.
2: Levels, but it is.
3: I mean, Mufasa certainly is the inspiration. Like that is like they they really just sort of like papered over that and then traced the outlines of it. Um, At least he doesn't find his body. Right. Yeah. Well, that's true. That's a very good point. And then Um,
2: Francis McDormand shows up and is like, you know, this is your fault, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. I I just want to say before we get past. Who is the (laughs) villain? Okay. They think Who is the villain is a great question. <laughs> the original idea is like nature is the villain. And you right. can mm-hmm. see like shades of that. And you can see in the things that they overhaul the movie with how they kind of punk out on it. They have to make yes. the pterodactyls be yes. the villain.
3: Though like... It even seems with the pterodactyls... Unseen. It even feels like with the pterodactyls... The pterodactyls, I will learn how to pronounce a word. Um, mm-hmm. That they decide halfway through that scene that they need to be villains. Like it almost, you know what I mean? Right. It almost feels that way. Well, they're they like just... a cult. And I think, yeah, I, I like
1: when Steve on gets really intense. And as the pterodactyl, and he's just like, Hey, I've seen the inside of the storm. You don't understand how I'm alive. And I'm insulted that you have made it this far without having seen what I've seen. Now I'm going to eat your baby.
3: Yeah, it all—it's it, yeah. almost like very like the hills have eyes or something like that. Uh-huh. All of a sudden, well, so are the like,
1: raptors. Those are like hill folk, I guess. Is the, the idea. idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: Wait, are they raptors? Why did I think they were T Rexes?
1: Oh no, I meant the raptors, the the rustlers that try to get their buffalo. Oh, it's, it's T right, Rexes. Right, right. It's the T Rex family: Sam Elliott, Anna Paquin, and um, AJ That's... Buckley, who I don't know. No,
3: but, nor do I. Yeah. That 15 minute stretch, maybe it's even less than that. Maybe it's just a 10 minute stretch where all of a sudden you have to like process three different new groups of different dinosaurs and like, and they're Mm -hmm. all on like some level of like kind of scary, but are nice to kind of nice, but are scary to like are fully scary. And it's just like, it's too much in too compact a time to. The first one he meets
1: is like that pet collector who's voiced by the director and you're just like this is a weird guy
3: (laughs) right (laughs) and if the movie were more successfully episodic i think i would also like it better but it doesn't feel Mm -hmm. like there are discrete like moments of the movie in that way either and i don't know i also feel like it takes a long time to get started which it takes like 20 minutes
1: for uh the father to I think die and um, Arlo to go on his journey. And this is a, a movie that taps out at about 86 minutes at the credits. So Right. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. And I and I like the fact that the movie gives us time to grow an attachment to the Arlo and his dad relationship. So that's good. I did want to bring up so like Jeffrey Wright and Francis McDormand as the parents, who I love both of them as actors, and I like their performances in that they are giving these very um naturalistic uh emotional like they are dialed in they are not phoning this in like even frances who like doesn't really have a mm-hmm. whole lot of like actual story beats feels like she is bringing a real genuine warmth uh to her performance and yet my question to you is are these good actors and good performances, but not necessarily good cartoon voices? In a way, that, I, like James Earl Jones and Jeremy Irons are great actors, but also great cartoon voices.
1: I think Jeffrey Wright is giving a fantastic performance in this. Yeah, movie. I liked Jeffrey I Wright. I was really struck, struck on my to be John Lithgow. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Right, um, is Francis is the vibe. only
1: person. Yeah, Francis is the only person who survived the original cast, like Culling, because the right. the siblings were all going to be like Bill Hader and Judy Greer and stuff right. like that. Um, right. Well, that and like, you can
2: see that there was like the the seeds of whatever this family dynamic was supposed to be is still there. But the fact mm-hmm. that they the siblings were originally supposed to be played by like famous people tells you that mm-hmm. there was a whole like family dynamic, or maybe they were included more in the drama throughout the story that just also got completely cut.
1: It, it's entirely possible. Um, no, I was just struggling, like Jeffrey Wright is giving like a performance instead of just speaking into a microphone like right. a lot of uh Oh, I totally, do. I yeah. do
3: not disagree one bit. I think my, mm-hmm. my, more my question was a general trend towards like great acting in voice work rather than sort mm-hmm. of iconic and memorable vocals if that makes any kind of sense i think i understand
1: what you mean where it's james earl jones is darth vader and mufasa that sort of thing Where you like right. know immediately um i think pixar has always been good about picking voice actors where i mean i think that's one of my problems with onward is they just they pick like chris pratt and tom holland and then it's right. like okay do your normal voices it's one of my problems um,
2: with soul too like uh, tina fey does not make sense as that character i think you cast it should like, just
1: be nicole byer i it's nicole yes
2: byer. we've had this conversation yeah like if it's if nicole it byer is the tina fey voice it's a like 10 times better movie
3: mm. um, Well, and then you sidestep a lot of the problems with the reaction exactly, to the movie. Which i mean that's true. people's People sort of knee-jerk, you know, Tina Fey thing, which I think has become sort of malignant at this point with a lot of people.
2: Well, but it's also this, like, thing that Pixar is feels like they're moving to, that it's like they're catching these name actors who maybe have an interesting vocal quality, but they're not Mm. pairing them with characters in interesting ways. Like, even aside from all the problems with Soul, like, there's nothing interesting about Tina Fey's vocal performance in that movie there's nothing interesting about Tom Holland and Chris Pratt and onward
1: like. yeah that's my big issue and um, I think they always they always end up surprising me and except for those the most recent movies well I mean the kids in Luke are good but those are children that's different I'm I'm talking about like casting Christina Hendricks as uh Gabby Gabby in Toy Story 4, which I think is a phenomenal performance. That's not... You wouldn't think of just like, oh, who's going to be in Toy Story? Oh, Christina Hendricks, of course. I think she's great. Um... And if you think about like the cast of A Bug's Life, which is the most '90s thing ever, because it's Dave Foley, Dave Dreyfus, Bonnie Hunt, <laughs>
3: <Yep>. uh, <laughs> Kevin Spacey, Kevin Spacey real one kind. of the great voice actors of. Her oh, time, she's phenomenal.
1: Like, I think. Um. Yeah. yeah she she's in a bunch of these. She's Dolly in Toy Stories three and four. Yeah. She is the yeah. girl car Sally in uh Cars franchise. So she's in all of those. So yeah. Bonnie gets residuals. I'm very happy about. Yeah.
3: that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Bonnie's making making money for sure. And I'm trying to think like. John C. Riley
1: has such a distinct voice, and then he's really good as Wreck-it Ralph. That's that's Disney, not Pixar, but you know,
2: right. I don't know. The Wreck-it Ralph it movies are cast wonderfully.
3: Yeah, but you to to just sort of close the loop on Soul, though the best vocal mm-hmm. performance in that movie is by far Rachel House. Uh-huh. Oh, oh my god, yeah, she's Rachel amazing. House is doing such an uh, such oddly specific stuff as that mm-hmm. character, and like that's sort she's of she's really
1: creating someone.
3: Right, right. I think that's the thing. I think that's the, yeah.
1: Yeah, and that's that's why I think Jeffrey Wright is good, because he's not, this is not Jeffrey Wright's storm of voice. He's doing, like, a country stern father thing where he doesn't It's sound definitely like, one yeah. of
3: my favorite performances of his. Like, it really, if I'm making a top uh-huh. ten of, like, favorite Jeffrey Wright performances, this kind of has to make it in, like, the ninth or tenth spot, because, like, he's mm-hmm. really, really, really good. Um, no, thank you for letting me sort of work through that, because that's always <laughs> sort of the thing yeah. with me. Of just, like, we're, like... I don't know. Like you'll get these like great actors, and they're just like they're they're not these big performances. And maybe that's a problem with me that like I always need mm-hmm. sort of like bigness in in uh, animation. But mm-hmm. you're right, though, that he does a very very good job. But that's the oh. thing about Pixar is like a lot of these choices
2: aren't big choices. Like Rachel House isn't going big and soul. Right. It's more so no. that it's like. From a really sharp perspective and, yes. like, inspired. It's, like, mm-hmm. Holly Hunter playing a mom in the Incredibles movie, who is also a superhero, that is really inspired to me. But, like, mm-hmm. their choices of mom—or, like, um Laurie Metcalf in Toy Story, which, like, <sighs> now feels like Laurie Metcalf as a mom. Makes sense. But, like, in the 90s, that was really inspired. Um, yeah, that was on Jackie, and <laughs> right.
3: like it's not. Well, even like, like I know type we of don't are
2: just like average mm-hmm.
3: mom now. I know we we all don't like her anymore, but like Ellen. It's DeGeneres, a good performance. Ellen DeGeneres mm-hmm. in Finding Nemo is is a great and like not the choice that you would have really expected at the time to pair with Albert Brooks, who is like exactly who I'm talking about when I'm talking about a great cartoon voice. Like totally. Albert Brooks is one of like the best is the in that, like it, you know, exactly the character that he's giving you within like the first three seconds of him talking. And yeah, he's a genius. We know. That. And I think <laughs> finding Nemo is one of the finding Nemo is my favorite Pixar movie. So like I'm, you know, mm-hmm. in the bag for it in general, but I think that is a movie that like at every turn, even like, down to like Willem Defoe and all of like the little like fish tank characters, Alice and Janney and whoever Oh,
1: Janny is spectacular.
3: All like it all works Vicky Lewis. So, so well. Yeah, Vicky Lewis. Um isn't Andrew Stanton the voice of the turtle? He is, yes. So like he does a great job. You know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. like it's it's I think that's the high water mark. That you're Sigourney about. Yeah.
2: Weaver playing herself multiple times in the Pixar <laughs> universe. That's right. Mm-hmm.
1: She also a genius. That is the saving grace of Finding Dory, a movie that is fine. I like <laughs> high I on do. Sigourney
2: Weaver. One of multiple yeah. movies where she introduces herself as herself.
1: Yep. Uh, I'm looking at my Pixar ranking now, and I just remembered. I mean, kind of the opposite of what we're talking about. Uh, an actor just doing their own voice, who I think is really good, Jeff Garland in Wall-E. Ah.
2: Uh, I, right. I yeah, that's that's definitely that. I mean, I was a Wally obsessive for a while. If we're talking about what our favorite Pixar's are, if Joe, you yeah. say yours is Finding Nemo. I like it's probably at this point it's probably because as I've aged with Wally, I'm like this is actually a little bit more didactic than I thought it was at first. But um, that's my thing. It's tied <laughs> right. probably with Ratatouille. As my favorite mm-hmm. Pixar.
3: Yeah,
1: I mean, mine is just Toy Story because that was Toy Story was the first movie I ever saw in a movie theater. Oh,
3: and what a great one!
1: I know. I distinctly remember it happened. I know what movie theater we went to. Um, but yeah, so that that's very early on. And similarly, one of a few years later, uh, the Rugrats movie was huge for me. Of just like We've understanding talked about you in the Rugrats yeah. movie. Oh, yeah, I know. But that was when I found out movies could get sold out. We had tickets. We had tickets. But one of the ushers came in, which is like, everyone, this, like, 1110 screening of the Rugrats movie is sold out. So we need everyone to move in so everyone can sit. And I was just like, oh, my God, this can happen.
2: That's probably because of the Wild West days of The Lion King, where I'm sure the I mean, like, I was too young to really, like, know this. But I wonder if this was a larger cultural thing. I remember, like, seeing The Lion King, where it was sold out, but they just kept selling tickets and people were just sitting in the floor in the aisles. I
1: think by <laughs> 1998, they were not allowed to do that in the yeah, showcase cinemas. definitely
2: we probably a larger cultural discussion about fire codes was happening. Yeah. I remember
3: um, going to see The Lion King, my brother, me, maybe we let... I can't remember whether we let my sister tag along with us. That was a that was always a point of contention uh, around that age. Um and then the two kids across the street and their mom took us all. And their mom did the thing where she made like little bags of snacks and also oh, like amazing. soda cans and so like was like just loaded up this like Mary Poppins bag full of like stuff my mom would do that too that was the first time i was just like oh this is a real workaround here isn't it we're just like we're all getting like these little like and there and of course you know you have to go through the whole charade of just like nobody say anything nobody make a move until the lights go out and then all of a sudden (laughs) it's like this like full picnic getting like distributed down the aisle Two of you kids
2: are little rascaling it into the theater where one is, like, standing on the other's shoulders and (laughs) inside this massive trench coat, you have an entire buffet.
3: What's so funny is that's the same summer as Speed. And so, like, The Lion King, I'm having this really sort of, like, childlike experience. I'm 14 years old, or I'm maybe not quite... If Lion King is early summer, I haven't quite turned 14 yet, but I'm basically 14. Um, This sort of, like... You know, very childlike experience with like, again, like going with our friend's mom and everything like that. And then that same summer was Speed, which was the first time that I saw an R-rated movie in a theater because someone else's mom, who was a lot less scrupulous, bought tickets for all of us to go see uh, this R-rated movie. And then we all wow. just- It was a
1: tame R-rating, though. Yeah, I was going to say Dennis there's Hopper does get panty beheaded. shot.
3: Dennis Hopper does get beheaded at the end of that movie which like it'll stick with you no I'm not saying that like we were scarred by speed or anything but like (laughs) it's like it's funny to me that like those are my two memories of 1994 summer movies are like this sort of like tail end of childhood and beginning and I was like I was a late bloomer in almost every context so like I stayed a kid for like a while but that Mm -hmm. was that was a real transition summer you wanted to be a Toys R Us kid I mean, I did. We've talked about the Toys R Us shopping sprees before, but yes,
2: Two stories I have to branch off on this, one of which is like an R rating is not necessarily the most important thing in terms of scruples when you're taking children to a movie. First of Mm -hmm. which, because you mentioned carrying bags and bags of snacks into the movie theater, whenever people talk about sneaking sneaking food into a theater, it always makes me think of my dad taking me to see Dumb and Dumber, where we snuck in Taco Bell, real pavlov's dog thing for me i cannot watch dumb and dumber if i don't have taco bell (laughs) (laughs) truly and then the whole like a street or neighborhood's worth of kids piling into a car to go see a movie my parents did that at my own request and we apparently recruited other kids because i was dying to see cool world
1: Oh ah! my God!
3: How many times are Why we is cool, talk about cool keep world? coming out
1: for me lately? <laughs>
3: we talk cool about world. it so
1: often.
2: <laughs> we need okay. We need whenever like we can actually have crowded theaters again for things yeah. like rowdy screenings. We do truly need to have a cool <laughs> world renaissance because like fully that movie uh, could not happen today. It is a movie where. Gabriel Byrne fucks animated Kim Basinger into corporate reality.
1: Her name is Hollywood. It sure is <laughs> okay, as in
2: uh, W O U L D, as in what wouldn't Holly do?
1: Yeah, and they had that whole thing where they put the uh, like cardboard cutout of her on the Hollywood sign and like laying all sexy, and people were like, "This is fucked up. You can't just do that to the Hollywood sign." <laughs> incredible. That movie, I should. Is there like a shout factor release of that thing cuz I should just have it around? It yeah. was
2: on Prime for a while and I saw a couple mm-hmm. other like fellow weirdos tweeting about it for like a week.
1: I was in a barcade once and it was playing and I was like so distracted by being like, "Oh my god, Cool World is on the TV." that I just like stopped paying attention to the games. That's
2: so funny. <laughs> okay, to bring the question to bring the conversation a little bit towards like the Oscar race type of thing. Yes. Would Cool World have received an animated feature nomination no. in the 90s or would there have been too much live action
3: No they were always so snobby for a while even stuff like I remember like, there was a lot on. of Yes yes but yeah, I remember even there was a lot of buzz for Waking Life because it was link letter because it was you know smart because it was whatever and the the animated uh, voters were just like no uh, no absolutely not mm-hmm. the, we are we have you see this a little bit um in the uh, emmy awards when they added reality categories to the emmys very uh, oh, those yeah, first yeah. few years and they were like okay but we only like one or maybe two types of reality shows but usually just like one and we're going to nominate these same shows Every year, we like the Amazing Race, and we like The Voice, and we like Top Chef, and that is it. And And then when
2: Drag Race broke through, it felt like a revolution. But now, like Drag Race is the reality TV, you know, mainstream.
3: Right? Exactly. Kind of amazing
1: that that's the case now. But yeah, and
3: I and I think that's slightly the case with the animated feature one. Although you look back and like they were doing, you know, like Miyazaki got the second ever uh, animated feature Oscar. So like I can't be too (laughs) Uh but like Yes, but that was Disney's major play that year because that is true. Did that's a very that good movie. Point. So like there was point. behind it.
2: Though so, right. I mean Spirit well, there's of a Away deserves can, that yeah. I am not shitting on Spirited of Away's last. Of awesome. course
3: not. Of course not. No. Yeah. I'm glad that
1: it happened. Um I'm sad it probably won't happen again when How Do You Live finally comes out. But um I'd say something I've always felt about Best Animated Feature is a lot of the, the correct movies have won a lot. Like, it's yes. awesome that Spider-Verse won. That's fantastic. Yes, yes Stuff I like agree. that. Rango. Rango is insane. I'm so glad that it won a, a fucking Oscar. Walls and Gromit. Like, there are good yeah. winners for animated I'm always
2: feature. rooting for the Aardman movies, because I love Aardman. And I oh fucking God. will go hard for the Shaun the Sheep movies. I love them.
1: I don't care. Oh, my God. I, like, cried at Farmageddon. It was incredible. <laughs> it's, it's so
3: but, yeah, this is a category with a very good track record, where even if it's not, like, the number one movie that you would have wanted, it's, like, like... Big Hero 6 was not my favorite movie that year, but, like, I kind of mm-hmm. like that that movie won, you know, an Oscar that year. See, well, that's it should have been
2: Princess Caguya, to... but, yeah. Yeah. That's the year that I want uh, Leica to get their win, because oh, the Box, Box Trolls, Trolls is my is favorite right. Leica. No,
3: that was my
1: that yeah. was. My Look at those nominees. Those are all good nominees. Yeah. It's so rare that a category where everything is just like, they're all good. Let's see what happens. That, like, never happens. And uh, I think yes, as the... that's
2: the Big Hero Six mm-hmm. Box Trolls, Song of the Sea, Tale of Princess Kaguya, and uh How to Train Your Dragon 2. Another yes. movie where like the death of a parent in an animated movie makes me go, Jesus Christ. Yeah.
1: That's another movie that's uh Frankenstein script, because the mom was gonna be evil at first.
3: Oh fuck. Yeah, yeah. you can kind of tell in the movie. The I fir- know, right? The first How to Train Your Dragon is a lot better than the second one, and that's one of those movies that, like, if it did not come out the same year as Toy Story 3, which was, like, a Best Picture nominee, it probably mm-hmm. would have won. And it would have won. Probably deservedly so. I love that movie. One of my favorite animated film scores of the last uh, yeah. decade plus. Um, it's, like, unbelievable how good that movie is. Oh, it's so good. Like, it came out of nowhere. Yeah, that's the other thing is, like, I really do like those animated movies that, like... They make that sort of leap from just like, oh, it's just like one of, you know, the many films sort of like pitched to kids. And you could feel
1: it kind of happening mm -hmm. because when Kung Fu Panda came out, everyone's like, this is actually good. This isn't just like Madagascar. Like this is like a a worthwhile film. And then How to Train Your Dragon, I believe, is the next uh, DreamWorks Dreamworks movie. Yeah. yeah, I I don't remember what the 2009 release is, but I remember I don't know how much longer DreamWorks is even going to exist. Like. I remember after seeing the Captain Underpants movie, which I like, I was like, huh, they do not have a movie on the calendar for another two years for How to Train Your Dragon 3. And I'm like, that's grandfathered in. Like, I don't know what the plan is for them, but... I digress. If but they think... make
2: another one, it'll be How to Train Your Dragon 4, probably. Yeah.
1: because of... That's not going to happen. The Dean DeBloy, who made those movies, he's like, I'm only making a third one if it's an ending. And they're like, fine, do it. I don't care. <laughs> the, my thing is, like, because you
2: mentioned the first How to Train Your Dragon and Toy Story 3 that year, and, like, mm-hmm. my choice that year would be The Illusionist. And, oh, like, yeah. it, a lot of... Uh, I mean, G-Kids gets, like, sometimes multiple movies uh, nominated. That was Sony Classics, but, like, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of very, like, artful animation movies that are really great, but, like, it does... I do think, even though sometimes they do pick the right movie, the animation... As far as animation goes, the branch Mm -hmm. may not be so lazy in picking, you know, how to fill out their category, depending on how many movies are eligible that year. But, like, it doesn't really feel like the Academy at large really is seeing these movies. No, um, never. <laughs>
3: Well, okay, I'll kind of push back on that a little bit. I think I don't think you're necessarily wrong, but I think if you look at the history of the animated feature category uh, from 2001 until now, and and mm-hmm. again at the beginning there were only uh, usually only three nominees per year. That didn't they sometimes still do three? I, I guess it depends on how many
2: movies are released because it has to hit a certain threshold. Right. For but five because
3: there are to... so many movies, like being like even the fact that even last year there were five nominees. In a you know, pandemic ravaged year as it was, mm-hmm. like I feel like we're probably never going back to three just because of the volume yeah. of of things that are being produced. But I think if you look at it through the years where, you know, Disney and Pixar and um Shrek was DreamWorks, right? Shrek yes. yeah. is Dreamworks. Right. So Shrek like DreamWorks was Dreamworks, you know, basically. And, and Fox, those were sort of like your big things. But like as the years have gone on, you get there are there are animated movies. There are more slots, I would say, than there are, uh, or there are fewer slots available for nominees than there are studios that we feel like, oh, this gets a slot. Where we've got Leica mm-hmm. and Ghibli and G Kids yeah. yeah. and the Aardman, uh mm-hmm. movies and all of that, along with your Disney, your Pixar, your Fox movies, and mm-hmm. it's. I think we've ended up with, you know, while maybe not perfect. You we've now ended up with a category where a lot of really different types of animated movies are contending mm-hmm. every year. And, and I sometimes think that's animated exciting.
2: movies for adults like Anomalisa, which I hate, but Me too.
3: Like, <laughs> you hate
1: Anomalisa?
2: Yeah, yeah
3: same.
2: Um, I like I didn't like I Lost My Body, but that's a No, that's
3: not a movie good movie. Adults, that's a problem. Yeah. You know. Right. But but I think it's it's very exciting that like it's not you can't just at the beginning of every year be like we're going to get one Disney, one Pixar, one Fox, one Ghibli, one G kids like it's not that like there's more Mm -hmm. there's more to you know, there's more out there that the Oscars have historically responded to. And I like (laughs) that. And I feel like you have now an animated a diversity in animated movies at the end, like at the at, at, in twenty in the twenty twenties, than you did in two thousand one, and I really really yeah. like that. No, that's, it's very that's exciting. Totally true,
2: like we're not going to be nominating Jimmy Neutron anymore, but okay. like, well, listen, <laughs> I'm hopeful that like the type of momentum that seems to be building to support something like Cartoon Saloons movies, mm-hmm. yes, uh, G Kids is amazing.
1: Everything that G Kids does is like spectacular. I want to work for them. <laughs> I love everything they've been able to do when they got the Ghibli license back. Um, those beautiful box sets, uh, or not box sets, just like slipcovers for all the Ghibli films now. They look so good. I have the original Disney ones because I had to buy them when they came out. And But I'm always like, if I was suddenly given $1,000, I would just go to the G Kids store on the website and just buy everything. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to ask if we're allowed to discuss... What is going to be nominated for best animated feature this year besides like Luca and Flea? Do we know? Ah, see here this is what I was kind of Flea is up to. I was going to ask about Flea. Yeah.
2: I feel and maybe I'm being naive here. Mm-hmm. I feel like there will be potential for Flea to be the winner this year. Neon is an incredibly savvy uh, campaigner. Yeah. Um I mean like it could I we'll see how there's the potential that it could also be like international feature and documentary, but mm. like there's whispers that what will be released in the States will be redubbed um into English. I hope that's not the case. But like I Flea's incredible. When Flea actually like gets to open, I hope everybody goes and sees it. Um, I know, I need to actually it's watch certainly it. One of I didn't the best do it at I've Sundance so far this year.
3: Mm-hmm. Um I, feel I like... think if you look at in terms of like what's likely to get nominated, Flea definitely, Luca definitely. I feel very strongly that the Mitchells versus the Machines is going to get nominated because it was so well received and I still because need to watch that it's uh, a lovely movie. And Netflix it's, has had a good yeah. track record lately with getting uh, animated uh, films nominated, mm-hmm. so I think those are probably your strongest contenders. What's and the Disney? Though is can is encanto the disney movie for yeah uh-huh. encanto comes
1: out at uh thanksgiving that's yeah, the classic the final disney Lin-Manuel thanksgiving release like year. those ones
3: mm-hmm. do very very well so we well, that's the thing that's so weird about
2: nobody was talking about it and it's already on
1: netflix so i wonder uh, like, oh vivo's did... not doesn't matter yeah no one cares about FIFA, but um, I wanted to say just about the Thanksgiving slot. The Good Dinosaur was the Thanksgiving slot of twenty fifteen, yeah. and no yes. one saw it. That is so strange. Because if you think it got about, buried by the
2: final Hunger Games movie, oh the my god, obliterated of that franchise.
1: And that movie didn't even make as much as Mockingjay Part One. Right? I didn't even see Mockingjay Part Two in theaters. It's horrible. Um, and I am remembering now, and I don't think it was even nominated that year. Also, that November is the uh, Blue Sky Peanuts movie, which is a nice movie. I
2: hate it. I feel it. like that's what everybody said. It was was nice. It's a nice
1: movie. I did not see.
2: See, it. in like the more this it is fucks why, with another the canon. reason why I think yeah. the Academy's animated branch is like does make smart choices on how they fill up the Academy or how they fill up the category, but then the Academy at large, you know, just defaults to. Usually, the biggest and best. The biggest slash best received, because like Cars was probably as big as Happy Feet, but they still went with Happy Feet over Cars because no one liked Cars. But um, that's so funny. That Happy Feet. <laughs> um, where was I going with this? Um, Peanuts movie. The Peanuts movie. Yes, thank you for bringing me back. <laughs> Peanuts and the Good Dinosaur, with like the Globes, Critics' Choice both show up, and they both blank at the Oscars. And both of them didn't really do that well, unless I'm me- misremembering how the Peanuts movie was received.
1: No, The Good Dinosaur is like the biggest uh, Pixar box office bomb besides Onward, which has an asterisk, obviously. <laughs> exactly.
3: <laughs> so, But also, should...
1: uh, Onward Sorry. didn't open strong at all. It was the first time a Pixar movie has been released outside of, essentially, June or November, and... I mean, obviously there's a pandemic, so that didn't but, help. But well, it just, yeah. but yeah. like
2: things weren't closed down yet for Onward. Yeah. But like the week Onward opened was like the first week that everybody started. Yeah,
1: getting
3: we, can, we can we, we can we can fairly the, the, put the asterisk on Onward for that. Like I can't. It, I can it really definitely think.
1: it definitely does. Um, I remember yeah. going to the press screening, uh, at the end of February for Onward. Um by myself and i sat beside behind tyber who was explaining to another oh, one of the shit. critics is like oh yeah i've had a terrible co- cold this week and i was like oh god <laughs> thinking back <laughs> oh, Jesus.
2: onward is not worth covid onward no. is not
1: good no it's got some moments but like barely this whole second act is this them
3: like walking through a field it's like so So I want to sort of bring it back though to the 2015 animated feature nominees just to sort of talk because like Good Dinosaur didn't get nominated obviously but like so Inside Out wins obviously it was always going to win it was hugely well received it probably i would love to see how close it came to a best picture nomination because i feel like it wasn't yeah. too far away from it it's probably the closest pixar has come to a best picture nominee since uh toy story 3 mm-hmm. i feel like and yeah. if it um, didn't happen for it it's not going to happen
1: again for a very long time
3: right i really loved inside out i saw it twice in theaters i i i get the complaints about it and yet i don't doesn't bother me uh, so mm-hmm. much i really like it um other nominees were we talked about anomalisa neither chris nor i uh like it very much i think it's a lot of i like a lot of what charlie kaufman does and yet when charlie kaufman is left to his own devices more often as just as often as not he is um He can either be profound or deeply, deeply aggravating and deeply, deeply uh, self-obsessed. In an every time I watch, yeah, whenever I watch one of his movies, somewhat
2: abandoned. Like he was, like he had to be sold on the movie being made. He was like, "You want to do what with this script? Like I don't really." Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead,
1: Kyle. Uh, I was just gonna say, every time I watch a Charlie Coffin project, I'm just like really glad I'm not him. Yeah. That's how I always come away from these things. I'm like, oh, yeah. being you seems bad, dude.
3: <laughs> it certainly feels like he feels like being him is bad. <laughs> like mm. that. Um, yes. So um, Anomalisa getting nominated, I think a year ahead of time, I would have been like, No. Like, the animated branch isn't going to go for that. And the fact that they did, I think, shows a little bit of an evolution for them. So even though I don't like the movie, Mm -hmm. it's a nomination that I can get something positive out of, which is cool. Uh, Boy in the World, which was a Brazilian movie that... I haven't seen it. I've seen it. It's cool. It's good. Yeah, Yeah, it's cool. I think it's, like, it's, it's sort of very visually very interesting i don't remember a ton about the actual story of it but i remember probably the, visual... the
2: smallest movie that the branch has ever nominated too because yes. like even at the time it was not incredibly available
3: and it doesn't come from any of the even like the sort of like the mid-major animation studios right like it, it, i i don't I'm... think
2: it was g kids to be honest but like it, it feels on, like, like a true
3: up. sort of like Independent path towards this uh, nomination, uh, going through like G-Kids. the film festivals yeah. and whatnot, and and it's just a re- it's really
2: cool animation. So like it probably helped that it stood out in terms of the art of it. It feels um,
3: like the kind of thing that would get nominated very easily in the animated short category, but it's a feature, mm-hmm, and for sure, I think something like would the year after uh, twenty fifteen, uh, my life as a zucchini also feels that way. Um, mm-hmm. where it's just like, oh, this feels like an animated short nominee that, you know, is feature length.
0: I
2: loved my life as a zucchini. God, <laughs> <It's> dark
1: movie.
3: <laughs> um, Sean the Sheep movie, 2015. I love it, Sean the Sheep. Talk He's about great. it. He's a great guy. Talk about that. No, this was a TV show first?
1: Uh, yeah, nice. they did Ardman Shorts, and, um, I think it has a little TV show I've never seen, but the movie is also, like, 72 minutes long, so... The yes. Shawn the
2: Sheep movies are funny as fuck,
3: yeah,
1: they're awesome,
2: they're so funny, those are
1: nonverbal those you can, oh uh, yeah it can it can happen
3: again feels like this and again with the same thing with the Wallace and Gromit win in uh, two thousand six two thousand five mm-hmm. two thousand five um their movies all feel like you know short animated shorts sort of like brought out to feature length. I think anything that is nonverbal in that way sort of feels uh a little bit like that Mm -hmm. i like the aardman movies i don't think i've ever really fully loved one but that's just sort of a my own sensibility like i fully respect Mm -hmm. and you know love love you if you love them um and then the uh studio ghibli movie this year was when Marnie was there, which is one of the saddest sad. movies I've ever seen. I really like it, but it's sad. My God I
1: remember watching it um because I got I got the Blu-ray when it came out, and um, my hot cast co-host and I watched it because that was when we were living together. And afterwards we were just like, okay, yeah, and just like completely devastated by it. Oof. It's just like Jesus Christ.
2: If we can talk about the shorts of this year, too, we should mention Sanjay's super team was the oh, Pixar movie attached yes. to The Good Dinosaur, and yes. I feel like, at the time, I heard more people talking about Sanjay's Super yep. Team and yep. loving Sanjay's Super Team than said anything about The Good Dinosaur.
3: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a awesome. lovely little one. I think and it's nice. I do
2: love Sanjay's Super Team. It didn't win. Also this year that was nominated and didn't win is The World of Tomorrow.
3: Oh, that's oh, funny. Oh, one, one of the Hertz best though. nominees. So, like, yes. This, that's I think wild. Was the year this was... Uh, like the most attention the animated short category probably had up till this point i think because of both of those two shorts because they got a lot of mainstream attention world of tomorrow more from like the indie film uh, chatter but like sanjay super team is the opposite of the thing i was just talking about with like the Ardman movies where like this is a feature movie It feels like a feature movie that is at short film length, right? Uh Um, And I think some, and and it stands out from the animated shorts. I think because of that, and I definitely of these five nominees that year, I really preferred World of Tomorrow. I also really liked the short film We Can't Live Without Cosmos, which is about um, two sad. I would say queer-coded a- ast- Russian astronauts uh, stranded in space, but like that's my own. Huh. Thing. Um, I haven't seen that. Um, I might be reading into it. And then the fifth nominee that year, well, Bear Story is the one win- the one that wins, which I think is like fine. Like it's, it's odd, odd. Like I guess it's not odd to me that it wins because like it's the type of story that like with I this could... lineup.
2: I mean, like aside from Sanjay's super team, it's probably the it's one It's not that's... heavy. It's the most straight down the middle. And I think Sanjay's Super Team came at like the wrong time where like people were starting to get annoyed with Pixar always winning the feature and animated. Yes. And like Pixar actually doesn't have that many of the animated ones as you think they do. It doesn't.
3: Of the short Mm -hmm. films, no, it doesn't. And then the fifth nominee is a film called Prologue that is incredibly violent. And Cool. I would watch that. Um (laughs) and like and plays just so different like uh, the the variety of types of animation and types of animated movies in the shorts is always a lot more uh vast which is i think the appeal of the animated shorts i always recommend to people that if you live in a city where they are theatrically screening the animated shorts go it will not take up your whole day i
2: think amc has started doing yeah
3: right and, and and it won't take up your whole day like the like the documentary shorts will, or even the live action shorts. It's very brief. You'll actually get more than your money's worth because they will screen extra movies at the end because mm-hmm. uh it's just to time. sort of to make a running time. Um but you get a really, really cool variety of types of animation, and you'll sometimes get shit like Prologue, where you get just like, like what the fuck? Like, super, super violent murders and deaths, and it's, like, this, like, Greek uh, uh battle. It's uh, It was a, a originally planned to be a feature film based on Lysistrata, so, like, if that gives you a little bit of a hint of where it Great. comes from.
2: I will say last year, one of my favorite movies in the whole nominees of the whole list of last year's nominees and like one of the movies I most wish I had been able to see on a big screen instead of my fucking computer was this animated uh, short opera, which was like cool as hell and dark and bleak, but like had a real sense of scope that like, you know,
3: Opera was one of my favorite movies of the entire Oscar slate Same. last year. It was so fascinating. I immediately watched it again because your eye can't get to everything that's interesting about that movie. Um, that one, I, my two favorite, uh, animated shorts last year were so like opposite ends of the spectrum. It was that, which is like dense and fascinating and, and, uh, intellectual and, uh, you know, really, really, you want to just sort of sit and marinate in it. And then at the opposite ends of the spectrum was Burrow, which was just like, I Loved just need Burrow. something adorable. Burrow's great. And it's so. It's about
2: a gay bunny who just wants a <laughs> disco bathroom. Who just
3: wants a disco bathroom and, and gets less it.
2: people in his house. Like, get the fuck out of my uh,
3: house. It's such it's a good a, movie. It's a
2: movie about how introverts have to learn how to be social. Yes. <laughs> and it how to really, build a disco bathroom. And
3: it's like, and it comes from the most like, I I mean, I would put crassly in in scare quotes because I don't actually think it's that crass. But like, it comes from the most commercial origins, which is like the Spark Shorts uh, program at uh, Disney+. Plus. Spark Shorts has some dark shit in there. <laughs> It does. Yeah, but it's just like, but like, I think the association to Disney Plus really makes it feel like an arm right. of the corporate behemoth or whatever. But it's so cute and it's so uh, they're doing cool stuff. It makes you feel good, like it. Like, I mean, I know feel good is is you know often a pejorative, but like, ah, uh, bro, go check it out. And at then Disney the Plus. winner
2: last year was clearly the worst nominee. Yeah, to be. Uh, that happens a lot.
1: Which, Remember like, Skin? Remember Skin?
2: Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> talking about Skin. Um, <laughs> that was the year where it was like, all of these are children in danger movies. Um, yeah. No, but this, not to like dunk on, you know, an animated short, you know, but like, If Anything Happens, I Love You, which was the Netflix one that was also like executive produced by Laura Dern.
1: It, yeah, like, she was going real hard for that thing. It has good
2: intentions. It's about, like, gun violence. But, like, I I think I saw it before you, Joe, and I immediately text you, there's a surprise Columbine movie yeah, in sure animated <laughs> short. It is surprise
3: Columbine. It's... I hate when that happens. <laughs> they really do spring it on you. Um yeah, I did not really enjoy the process of watching that movie, but um anyway, so seek nice out we opera get to, rules. Yeah, it's so nice we get to talk about animation on this. We never do. So I feel I like know, we're like really a like lot. spreading out.
2: Yeah. <laughs> there's not a whole lot of, you know, options that we could really discuss this category, so I'm glad that we uh, are kind of diving deep. Do you guys have any other like observations you want to make about the animated category i feel like i've done nothing but like kind of shit on pixar in this and that i'm like the academy needs to they branch can take out it. a little bit and i think it's just because like pixar as a brand for me has had a lot of diminishing returns and i think you know some yeah. of the movies have been emblematic of it i'm also somebody who doesn't love like toy story 3 doesn't love frozen even though that's just big disney you know yeah. not pixar
0: mm-hmm
1: my thing with uh pixar and animated films in general is i kept liking them when i became a teenager and you know when a lot of people were like really growing out of it and i was like okay if i need if i'm going to keep liking animated movies i do have to become a genius about it
0: so <laughs> i just
1: i just like doubled down and i was like now it's not a weird thing that i do it's something that i i can like have knowledge right. on um And my relationship with Pixar has really changed and grown a lot since I was a child in Toy Story's first movie I saw in theaters, as I said before, and just kind of every year just having my mind blown by one of these. And then I remember seeing Cars 2 in theaters, knowing it was going to be bad, and then just like walking away being like, oh, God, they're not magic. And then seeing Brave, and I was like, that's kind of good. Um, Yeah. And just having the diminishing returns in the 2010s, and just like always kind of holding out just to be like, I'm obviously going to see all of them. But I'm not at the point every year where I'm like, oh, boy, this June, I'm going to have my like I'm going to get slapped in the face by a Pixar movie. Um, right. Right. And I come away from these movies at this point with opinions like I like Incredibles 2 because it didn't try to make me cry. Like, yeah, that's that's where I am. with No, you had this
2: bow part. at the beginning of it where I'm still sobbing through the first 15 minutes of Incredibles 2 <laughs> and, because and I just know... watch bow
1: and like I'm on the floor. I'm crying so hard. Uh, and Domei Shi, who directed Bao, is directing the next Pixar movie, Turning Red. Which... Oh, yeah. I'm kind yeah. of excited
2: yeah. about that, though. I
1: Me can't too. tell what it's about. Um it's well, about a red it's panda. It's about a little girl who turns into a red panda. Her yeah. mother is voiced by Sandra Oh, so yeah. they got a, a Canadian oh, Asian actress. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's going to... What I've enjoyed about Pixar recently is every one of their movies is just like... They're like, hey, director. I know you have some shit to work out. Would you like to make a whole movie about it? And they're like, yeah, of course. And so sometimes it really works, like something with Luca, where it's Eniko, um, whatever the director's name is, where he's not really saying it, but he's like, this is about when I was gay when I was thirteen. Yeah, um, Luca, but is like about
2: something- uh, ha- <laughs> Luca is for every gay person who only had straight male friends that they didn't fall in love with
1: (laughs) yeah where luca's about just like i really like this kid i don't understand why but i am going to emulate everything that he does and follow him around all day um but then something like onward where the interviews were like oh so what was this movie for you he's like well my dad died before i was born so this movie is about that and it doesn't work as well as you think it would i think there's a couple moments in onward that are so clearly just from that director's soul that I, i just that, that stick with you, but then the movie's not very good. Yeah. So I'm interested to see um, what the way they balance like their blockbuster ones, and then the ones like Domeshi is just making a movie about it being a Chinese Canadian girl in the early 2000s. And yeah, very simple. And then we're gonna have Lightyear, which I don't oh, know man. what the deal with that is, and I don't right care about it. <laughs>
3: Lightyear,
2: I I just it, just from the concept alone, I mean, like maybe it could be good, but it did feel a little. Up its mm-hmm. own ass in a way, but like we'll see what the movie actually becomes.
1: Uh, I'm excited to see who the voice cast for that is because it could be yes. really weird or it could be like fucking like Jordana Brewster or something. Like they'll pick <laughs> some really random people. I don't know. Um, but I, I do have say, one more thing. Like, since yeah. you
2: brought up Luca, and I know we're of similar <laughs> minds about Luca, like this was another case where I felt like I was on an island, and to me, it felt like Pixar's best movie in like maybe even a decade for me. Mm. People really
1: (laughs) liked it. I feel like like Luca Luca
3: got a very, very strong reception, though. Yeah, I think
1: some people were kind of just like, yeah, it's very slight. And I'm like, yeah, is that bad?
3: I felt like a lot of straight male critics
1: didn't get it. Well, they just they they didn't understand it, you know. <laughs> and I also um,
2: thought, like, for like in terms of character animation and like the thing, mm-hmm. the thing where the Good Dinosaur is just like, okay, you are literally just rehashing these things to have these kooky characters. Luca felt mm-hmm. like it had a lot of kooky characters that felt like their own creation. Right? Yeah,
1: it's
3: a little little clay world. It's nice.
1: Um, I have one more Plus thing one about the Good the Dinosaur greatest... I forgot
3: one of the greatest like ending shots
1: oh my god in an animated oh, it was
3: in, in, in a movie in a movie in recent memory just like it's yeah. so and i don't want to talk so about
1: memorable. the turn yeah but i i think that is so effective and that's another thing in pixar they're like it was almost like this and i was like well i'm glad it wasn't cuz that would have been bad um, <laughs> yeah but uh one one last thing about the good dinosaur i just remembered uh when i went and saw this in theaters uh they you know sometimes movies uh, seemingly at random will have like a little introduction from the director so Peter Sohn had a little video and it's like, Hey, thanks for coming to the good dinosaur movie. I definitely directed myself the whole time. Um, and he's just like growing up, um, Uh, he's like I'm a Korean immigrant my mother is from Korea she didn't really speak English but we would go to the movies together and just enjoy like watching these things and not having to understand the language like the visual medium and he's like I wanted to put a lot of that into The Good Dinosaur so I do believe that all of the good stuff from The Good Dinosaur came from Peter Sohn and I hope that he gets to make a feature that isn't just a Frankenstein monster from Bob Peterson who couldn't crack the film Yeah.
2: well and also that like I That definitely tracks with the movie, too, because, like, that Mm -hmm. type of thing that it's just purely visual storytelling, that's when the movie really, really works, and when I really, really liked it. And then when it feels like, you know, the corporate hands are Mm -hmm. around the movie's neck, like, that's what I didn't like.
1: Mm -hmm. It's always a balance there. I'm glad I finally
2: watched it, though, because I definitely feel like this is a movie I probably like way more. And especially just from checking, like, logs on Letterboxd, I'm like, people were way too harsh on this movie. And yeah, I feel people don't weird understand what nice things like are. My... <laughs> right, and like, I, I feel like my complicated relationship with Soul, where I'm like, you know, Soul, or not not Soul itself, but like Pixar as a whole, like, the way I feel about like Toy Story 3, uh, and like, I was even a little disappointed by The Incredibles 2. Mm-hmm. Um, just where, like, my complicated feelings about where Pixar has been it was surprising to
3: me. How I felt about the Good Dinosaur. Mm-hmm. Chris file, Good Dinosaur's greatest fan. <laughs> we found. I don't him. know if I'll go that far.
2: It is. I mean, like it's a movie about uh, definitely a little gay dinosaur who's just trying to make his family happy while all of the other siblings, you know. Okay,
3: this was the thing I had, I was going to bring up, and then it sort of got lost in the shuffle. There is something to this idea of, and it's not just Pixar, like, this is a thing that's like always sort of like been a thing in fiction. And I wonder if it's just like a thing about sort of writer, creator, artistic types, but this idea Mm -hmm. of just like, He was the smallest one ever, like the (laughs) smallest dinosaur in his entire generation. Like Nemo is just like the tiniest little fish, and it's just like it just makes me think of like who is like writing these stories. It's just like I wish I was a big, strong person. You know what I mean? I think for for Nemo, it's me. I'm just a little guy, like.
1: But I, I think Nemo Arlo's does it better
3: than... That, like yeah.
2: defines him in terms of his siblings. It's like, his siblings can just, like, naturally do something. And Arlo is but afraid they do of their make weird a fucking big chicken deal. things. They,
3: they do make a... Well, right. The two things about Arlo that are def- definitional. They do make a big deal about how tiny he is when he's born. But it's mostly mm-hmm. that just, like, Arlo's a scaredy cat. And, like, as a scaredy cat, I related. Um, but... I don't know, like, it's just like, that That sort of struck me, this idea of just, like, we're gonna follow the story of the littlest blank in the blank, you know what I mean? I think I think
1: Nemo is a, a little more of just, like, about raising a kid with special needs than Arlo is about just, like, having courage. Because, I mean, they have everything with Marlon being like, oh, yeah, Nemo's, like, lucky Finn, and it's about him being overprotective. yeah. Sort of so, I think that that works a little better than Arlo being a little scaredy boy, which is what every cartoon ends up being about. There's right. a
3: strain in the Good Dinosaur where, like, the fourth or fifth time that Jeffrey Wright as the father is just like, Arlo, it's just a bug. You know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. like, it's mm-hmm. just like, come on, like, move along. And I was just like, I know, I've, I know that exasperation. I, I've, I've, I've seen that exasperation. So, yes. mm-hmm. The like the fourth or fifth to- time, I like get up from a from a sitting down in the backyard situation because a bee has gotten too close like yes <laughs> like, yes <laughs> yeah, highly absolutely. relatable
2: uh less highly relatable is um being a dinosaur who is also a farmer we didn't talk about this it's the, maybe the wildest thing if they have the to use world.
3: their
1: faces in the ground but this like, was the I thing know. i was
3: talking about is just like it's it's kind of I almost wanna like take like an hour and just sort of like ruminate on like, so how exactly did this agrarian dinosaur society evolve? Because it feels like there is some kind of like thought out process in there. And ultimately but they're not a society of dinosaurs. We don't see any other dinosaur farmers. Right. Yeah. This is what I mean they don't, by
1: like I wanna know. They don't communicate like, with other families.
3: What is your conception of the world? Because like clearly mm-hmm. Like, there was an idea here. This idea that, like, you know, dinosaurs evolved in a certain way. Dinosaurs
2: evolved into humans.
3: It wasn't... Well, yes, but, like, but I don't think it's quite that. Like, this is what I meant when I was saying earlier. Like, it very easily just could have been, like, dinosaurs in suits and ties and high-rises. And you just, like, one-to-one put in a Mm -hmm. dinosaur where you would put a human in a story. Like Zootopia, like you said. Right, exactly. And this isn't that. This This is a more specific vision of... A world that evolved differently because there were different creatures that evolved it, and it was like I don't know, like I was a little interested, but it doesn't think it, it doesn't like take you down the whole path of like. It's
1: not like, important to the film. Like, the like, this is what it is, and they don't they were like it.
2: Farmers is because at its heart, this movie is actually a revisionist western.
1: <laughs> oh, that's god. why they're farmers we because, can't
2: like, have the, like, we the need good dinosaur for for is a family. western actually it's basically it. a western they're farmers
3: no I can't mm-hmm. do another it's a western actually story I, can't I, do I, I you know how much I hate
2: that conversation but Sam, I will Sam say the good this dinosaur <laughs> is my favorite revisionist western oh my god tweet oh my. that
3: and I will cancel you here to high heaven I swear to god any all last right.
2: notes on the good dinosaur before we move into the IMDB game that's all I got
3: um We noted
1: it at the very beginning, but there is a scene where they eat fermented uh, uh, berries and have an acid trip. They sure do. And they, like, switch heads. It's just like a moment. I remember being in the theater. I was just like, huh, yeah, okay. And then it just kept going.
3: That baby really (laughs) got fucking high. (laughs) Yeah, he sure did. (laughs) That baby was tripping his balls off. That's amazing. Um, Yeah. (laughs)
2: Joe, would you like to explain the IMDb game for our lovely listeners?
3: Always, always I will explain the IMDb game. Every week, in fact, we end our episodes with the IMDb game, where we challenge each other with the actor or actress to try and guess the top four titles that IMDb says they are most known for. If any of those titles are television or a voice-only performance or a non-acting credit, we mention that up front, after two wrong guesses we get the remaining titles' release years as a clue, and if that is not enough it just becomes a free-for-all of hints that is the imtb game
2: all righty kyle as our guest you get not one decision but two decisions of if uh who if you would like to give or guess first and then who you would like to give or guests to slash from
1: oh geez um all right so i picked a couple of things that weren't on the list so uh chris i'll pick you first and can you give me uh you know Papa Dinosaur himself, Jeffrey Wright. Hold on, oh, I'm actually, okay. I pull it up. So Jeffrey Wright, how much
2: television and are there any voice performances?
1: Yeah, hold on, I'm I'm just, I'm pulling it up. I forgot oh. to have it up because I wasn't sure if one of you was going to pick him. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so it's all movies, which is not, it's not something I expected.
2: Fantastic, which actually is rather difficult because then there is... No Angels in America. No Westworld. I'm
1: surprised no Westworld. That's um, what I assumed immediately that I was like, oh, this is just, yeah. But it's not.
2: Okay. So, um, the Shaft remake slash sequel where he is the
1: villain. You got it. That's, that's the first one. I need to not revisit I that movie because I remember being <laughs> like, Jeffrey Wright's amazing. He... technically he is (laughs) it's just like (laughs) there's a lot going on with that movie that i didn't expect (laughs) jeffrey wright is also
2: in the hunger games movies at the end Mm -hmm. or is he in no he's in catching fire right
1: he is in catching fire but that's not the one that's on here
2: okay i was gonna guess catching fire so i'll take that as a wrong guess um Mm -hmm. uh mocking jay
1: part one that's correct ah fantastic very Um, strange that that's the one they picked because he's i think he's more prevalent in catching fire yeah
2: i okay i was certain at a certain point because this is who i am and what we do that he would be he would get his first oscar nomination for the goldfinch because he had a great part now do (laughs) i think the goldfinch is in there i'm going to say yes the goldfinch it is not Okay, so now right, I get so, my years. Mm-hmm.
1: So there's two years left, and it's um, 2004 and 2005.
2: Is one of those Lady in the Water?
1: No, I think Lady in the Water is 2006.
2: Okay. So this is right after Angels in America. Mm-hmm. Yep. He has his Emmy. Yep. But still is doing like character roles in things like Lady in the Water. <laughs> um, oh I know what 2004 is it's the Manchurian Candidate you got it, You're phenomenal right. in that film oh five, I'm trying to think of what other movies I know him from it's not the Ides of March, it's not
1: W
3: this is a movie that I am flabbergasted is on at someone's IMDb known for
1: I gotta say I didn't know he was in this movie that, that's that's my hand.
3: Chris, this is a movie we've talked about before on this podcast. We could definitely do it. No, we could though, but we've talked about it. Just sort of, we we tend to arrive at the the oddity of this movie a lot, and the oddity of this movie having Oscar buzz to begin with. Huh. Okay. So
2: it's an odd movie. So I'm guessing it's the type of thing that like if people predicted it or if it was campaigned, it's like, well, that's not going to happen.
3: Right. It was, you know, that thing where somebody narrowly loses an Oscar and then for the next, like, several movies, you're just like, well, they're going to get it for this. And then you oh. look back years later and you're like, why did we think that? So <laughs> it's
2: this is like a star vehicle. Yeah. Of somebody who almost won. With a very,
3: very particular, like, a very niche director who...
2: um, In 05, so somebody... This is probably somebody who recently almost won. Is it something with Julianne Moore?
3: No. No. Uh, This is a real niche director niche director like this 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 person's movies are their own thing
2: <laughs> okay
3: and uh johnny depp no no but you're it's you're, a man you're really circling the the part Bill Murray.
0: yes uh
2: uh uh niche director 05 No, this is not on anyone's note yeah, for it. this is what Say I it. thought, too. Yeah. Say this it. Is this Broken Flowers, Jim <laughs> It is. Broken Flowers. Yikes. Um, Which
1: I always get confused with St. Vincent, because they had similar posters.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it could not be any less like St. Vincent, to be honest. Um, yeah, that's absolutely a movie that the second you see it, it's like, the Academy's not going to even fucking watch this. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Jeffrey Wright, fantastic. Mm-hmm. All right, Joseph, for you, and then you will be giving to Kyle. Yes. I went into the Pixar vocal cast history. I picked someone who was almost originally planned to be in The Good Dinosaur uh, and instead was in Pixar's other movie in 2015. I'm talking about Mr. Bill Hader. Bill Hader. Bill Hader, no television, one voice (laughs) performance.
3: (laughs) Bill Hader no television is so funny to me. Alright. One voice performance? One voice performance. So it's gotta be Inside Out. Inside Out, where he voices fear. Yes. Okay. Uh, Is, alright, so Bill Hader movie stuff. He hasn't had a whole lot of movies where he's like the lead or a co-lead, so I'm gonna guess one of the few that he is, which is the Skeleton Twins.
2: The Skeleton Twins. All I right. like the Skeleton Twins. I do, too. On I
3: side. really like the Skeleton Twins, actually. Yeah. Um, all right. So now we're looking at probably supporting stuff. You but, still don't have any wrong answers. I know. Very happy about that. The problem is you got to, like, calibrate What kind of a smaller role is going to show up for him? I'm going to guess, because I just saw it on TV again a week ago. It is one of the great, it's always on HBO sometimes movies. Uh, Adventureland.
2: Incorrect. No Adventureland. Okay.
3: All right. Bill.
1: I've never seen that, actually.
3: I love it. I really love it. I should
2: revisit it. It's really. Because I didn't love it at the time.
3: Oh, I think it's so wonderful. My favorite of the Jesse Eisenberg-Kristen Stewart collabs.
2: See, I kind of want to go back through and rewatch a bunch of Kristen Stewart before Spencer.
3: Probably a a good project. Okay. Um, Bill Hader.
2: William Hader, you have one wrong guess. You have to get another one to get your years.
3: Is he in The Way Way Back?
2: uh let me look if that is your guess it's incorrect
3: all right i don't think he's in that would be my rudolph maybe i'm just thinking of Adventureland. (laughs) right (laughs) and grafting him into that that's possible uh
2: it does not look like he is from what i can see so
3: all right two strikes so what's my years
2: your years these are actually the two that i would have guessed um 2015 and
3: 2019 2019 huh Mm Hmm. All right. So, 2015, the same year, is Inside Out. Um. I mean, I imagine they're both comedies. Um. Oh, 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 oh. Um. Uh. uh, Trainwreck. Yes, Trainwreck. I I like Trainwreck a lot, actually. I don't, but I like Bill Hader in Trainwreck. I remember seeing it in theaters. you haven't seen Trainwreck or you didn't? No, I it?
1: remember seeing it in theaters and not really retaining anything.
2: I would maybe go so far as to say, well, maybe not. I do oh. think that that is top tier Judd Apatow. Your oh. mileage may vary on one Yeah, my means. mileage does
3: vary. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hater. 2019. 2019. What even happened in 2019? The last year we One were of alive? your assumptions is wrong. Oh, it's a drama. <laughs> Bill Hader in a drama that
2: isn't Barry. Um, You're still pretty wrong. Uh, 2019, he was also uh, a voice in Toy Story 4. Oh, am
3: I wrong that it's not a supporting performance? It's a supporting performance. But it's a drama. No. What the hell am I wrong about? I'm not wrong about anything else. Those are the only two things I've ever been wrong about. You forgot that this <laughs> happened. We probably should forget that this happened. Oh,
1: It's God. important that we forgot that it happened.
2: Oh, God.
1: It's a, a wet fart of a film.
2: Oh, dear. I never saw this. It is... I've heard that it's terrible.
1: I don't want to say anything else because I feel like he'll just get it. But. Yeah.
3: Oh, Lord.
1: So, like, legendarily terrible. He um,
2: was not the most prestigious person in this cast, too, I will say. Because it's like, <laughs> Bill Hader, why are you doing this movie? Other person, we know why you did this movie, but why are you doing this movie?
0: hmm Oh,
2: God. And then there's, like, an ensemble. He and other more prestigious person who we've maybe recently talked on this podcast about uh, were technically part of an ensemble.
3: We talked about on this episode that we're recording right now?
2: No, previous recent episode. Uh, A prestige actress who we will definitely be talking about in the month
1: ahead. Oh boy. <laughs> That's true. I don't have the energy for that. I meryl? do
2: have the energy for it. I'm so fucking excited. <laughs> Wait, Meryl. Oh, and also No, uh, not meryl not Meryl. Also in this ensemble, you probably this may not help you. Um a hot actor who you've maybe run into on the street before. Jason Ritter. No.
3: Oh, I wish. Hotter <laughs>
2: actor, much hotter actor.
3: James, Mac- no I'm sorry. Jason James McAvoy. Jason Ritter. James McAvoy. I actually spoke to Jason Ritter when I ran into him on the sidewalk, so that was at least that. Um, All right. James McAvoy in a terrible movie.
2: That's not a drama or a comedy. So what type of movie might that be? Action? No.
3: No. Horror? Yes. Yes. James McAvoy in a horror movie
2: with Bill yeah. Hader and a prestige actress who has a movie coming out in this month that we will definitely see discuss
1: I friend, love gaze, how hard this stuff. is. It is really vindicating for me. It is about absolutely
2: this movie. vindicating that this is very difficult for you.
1: Yeah.
3: I'm genuinely Oh, oh, is it um uh Glass? Ish
1: no, glass 12. is January
3: 2019. Glass more like ass. Oh wait, is it not? I, did I I get a, get a, get a month? I, I must have missed where you said. It's uh, not
2: glass, but it's a sequel.
1: Fuck. I know, right? Oh man.
2: I know why you can't remember this movie because I would be willing to bet you didn't see this movie because this movie and its original opened when we would have been at Toronto so it's like the it probably never happened to you
1: can i get oh one i more know hint? what it is i know oh, what it you is. got it's it.
3: it chapter it chapter two it yeah. chapter two
1: i was gonna say that thing is three hours long for no reason it was actually one of the rowdiest uh screenings i've been to i didn't go to the press screening or anything i saw it with my friends but there were people there who were very very drunk and loud and i was like what is going on over there and then eventually they like left halfway through but i was really nervous the whole movie it but, legit is yeah.
2: three hours long. I just it's pulled insane. up the page. It's is it is Two hours and forty nine minutes.
3: Here's the for thing. No reason. I like. I I have a soft spot for the It movies. I will say probably because I like the, the first book one. So much. I
2: never saw the second one because everyone hated it.
1: Yeah, I think if they put them together in one movie, it might work a little better. But you know, that's not my job.
3: Yeah, I think I I I was a little confused as to why people hated the second one so much, but. It's definitely Because it's not, not kids. Version. It's not fun. It's not fun
1: to see these adults do this. It's fun yeah. when the kids are wailing on a uh, evil clown with a bat.
3: That's a very good point. Bill Skarsgård though, um, sexiest evil clown in history, I will say. Bill Skarsgård cool he... is great in the first one, I thought. Yeah,
1: he mm-hmm. is. He's barely in the second
2: one. You know who's That's also great problem. in the first one is, uh, speaking of Please Luka, don't say one of those annoying ass kids.
3: No, it's Jack Dylan Grazer. He's great in that movie. Jack Dylan Grazer's been great in every single thing he's been in.
2: Yeah, he's Alberto. I'm he's Alberto.
3: going to chew glass. Oh. He's oh, great boy. in that. He's great in Shazam and he's great in Luca. He's great, great in Luca. Did you not see Shazam? He's great in Shazam. He's fantastic in Shazam. I
1: can't with smart-ass kids. I can't. <laughs> he's not as smart-ass in that. He's like a little...
3: He's just a brat. It's a little different. I don't know. I had to look it up for Luca. I was like,
1: really? This
2: kid that I can't stand in other things is great in
3: this? He's also great in the the, uh, the Luca Guadagnino HBO show. Oh, I feel like I was the only person who watched that thing. It was really,
1: I thought it was fantastic. I'm glad that no one watched it because people would be weird about it. Yeah, but it was great.
3: (laughs) It was great and he was great. Yeah. Yeah. Joseph, who do you have for Kyle? Oh, okay. So I'm not going to say how I ended up at this one quite yet, but... Hmm. Um, it is appropriate that I am giving to Kyle because it is another Kyle. It is Kyle McLaughlin. Oh, okay, cool.
1: One uh, television
3: show, one voice
1: performance. All right, so it is uh, Twin Peaks. Correct. Uh, voicing
3: the dad and in Inside Out. That is what brought me to this. Yes, uh, yeah, he course. voices the dad and in Inside Out. I never remember that. But yes, yeah, it's because he people mostly I mean, talk about how the dad is hot in Inside Out, but they don't talk about how he's voiced by the great comic
1: Yeah, the the parents are him and a uh, Diane Lane. Diane Lane I think is nice. Yeah. Um. All right. All and right. So, so two the other...
3: two legit movies.
1: All right. Uh, let me think, because he has a few things. So I I'm wondering if one of them is. It, it, it could go either way because he's not really in it that much. But that's kind of the point of the movie, I think. Is it Twin Peaks Firewalk with me?
3: It is not Twin Peaks Firewalk with me.
1: Okay. I wasn't sure if that would also show up. All right. So I still have two. <sighs> Trying to think. Uh, is, is Dune on there? I feel like Dune sometimes shows up over the other Lynch one dune is Which, on there yes I would all right
2: absolutely guess blue velvet
1: well I was I was gonna do that one first but I'm like no dune like shows up weirdly a lot on IMDB I I don't know there's something about it, it's star ranking <laughs> um all right so I have one left and still only one wrong guess too uh, okay I, is it just blue velvet because
3: it is not blue velvet Okay, so, that so it's is
1: not blue All right. No so, problem. so do I, I get a year now? You get
3: a year now. Your missing uh, film is from the year nineteen ninety-five. All right,
1: then it is um, Showgirls. It
3: is Showgirls. Very good.
1: I thought it was either going to be Showgirls or the Flintstones. I was going to say, are you going to guess
3: the Flintstones?
1: Yep. <laughs> no, Flintstones is ninety-four. I rewatched it recently. <laughs> Where he
3: plays Cliff VanderCave. Uh, I
2: want to rewatch the Flintstones movie because that was like a movie that I watched. Every day when I came home from school and loved it. And I feel like I would still have a good time.
3: Did you read the Rosie O'Donnell interview that our friend Matt Jacobs did at at Vulture? No, not yet, but I can. Oh, I got to do that. First of all, it's fantastic. It will make you deeply sad that both Nora Efron and Penny Marshall are dead. But Mm -hmm. she talks about, because Matt asks her about being in her first two movies, being A League of Their Own and Sleepless in Seattle, both these like greatly remembered movies and big hits. And she, in her answer, are just like she's like I was in three big movies three summers in a row because the third year was The Flintstones and I'm like it is genuinely adorable that she still brings up The Flintstones when like nobody else is gonna like I love that I love that it's Elizabeth like Taylor's million last million movie it was that's the thing it was a huge success and nobody remembers it. It is Elizabeth Taylor's last movie. Yes. Something I learned this year. And that's
1: why I rewatched it. Cause I was like, that's <laughs> crazy. But Flintstones is something I saw a bunch as a, a child. I think that's where I found out like what adaptations were, where I'm like, well, they're not cartoons now. And my mom's like, Oh yeah. Cause it's a movie based on it. And I'm like, hmm, also she fully got
3: that role. Cause she could do the little Betty Rubble giggle, which is, I think yeah. so fantastic. That's a great interview. I highly recommend going and reading. it. I have it
1: saved on pocket. I'm going to read. I it. will yeah. link it on our Tumblr page. Excellence. Excellent.
2: All right, Uh, I think that's our episode, Kyle, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on and bringing your animation knowledge and passion uh, to the episode. Yeah, thanks so much uh, for having me. Yeah, thank you so. uh, Thank Thank you, you, Kyle. This was so fun. This was super great. We, uh, I feel like, have been uh, constantly terrorizing each other throughout the pandemic as friends. It is nice to have a real, actual conversation. Um, if you guys want more of This Had Oscar Buzz, you can check out the Tumblr at this com. You should follow us on Twitter at had underscore Oscar underscore buzz. Kyle, uh, tell our listeners
1: where they can find more of you if you wish to be found. Uh, yeah, so I have uh, a Twitter, which is just um, at Kyle underscore Amato. I don't tweet a ton these days just because that website is crazy and scares me. But um, I always link to reviews that I do for Boston Hassle, which is a local um, – Website slash publication um, here in Boston. I live in Somerville, but, um, you know, it's the the Boston area. So I do film reviews and sometimes I manage to snag interviews. So I'll always, always post stuff. Um, yeah, that's about it. And then HawkCast, uh, we have essentially caught up. So we're not releasing regularly, but just stay subscribed. Uh, we'll be doing an episode on his recent graphic novel pretty soon, which is clearly a screenplay that Ethan wrote. Couldn't get made. And had his uh, graphic novel friend help draw it with him because one of the characters in it is just Ethan. It looks just like him. And I'm just like, all right, dude. Um, I like it, though. So
2: You are the only source that I trust for anything related to Ethan Hawke. <laughs> you, are, you are the only perspectives that I will be needing uh, when The Northman comes out next year.
3: Oh, my gosh. I can't wait.
2: Uh, And Joseph, tell our listeners where they can find more of you.
3: Sure, I'm on Twitter at Joe Reed, Reed spelled R-E-I-D. I am on Letterboxd as Joe Reed spelled the same way.
2: And I am on Twitter and Letterboxd at Chris v. File. That is F-E-I-L. We would like to thank Kyle Cummings for his fantastic artwork and Dave Gonzalez and Gavin Mevius for their technical guidance. Please remember to rate, like, and review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever else you get your podcasts. Five Star Review in particular really helps us out with Apple Podcast visibility, so write us a nice review that tells us how we made our mark, a major thematic element of the movie that we did not discuss at all.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: well it was just he's just like yeah do it put your paw up, yeah. yeah just uh, making your mark is putting your handprint on a rock uh, next to your family's handprints uh but mm-hmm. that's all for this week and we hope you'll be back next week for more everyone's a
0: winner baby that's so no nice. That's no you never fail to satisfy